this time on Watchers of Tomorrow, how to respect Klingons. of Tomorrow, the sci-fi review and critique show that needs to be perfect before it reports to a superior. Oh, that wasn't <laughs> great, but, you know, it's, I'm tired today. Yeah, we yes. think of things <laughs> on the fly. <you> know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gaplin, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend and co-host, Dr. Izix. Hi! And this is the Klingon episode. It is the, the one. Yes, uh, there's not going to be any other Klingon episodes. This is maximum klingon yeah this is the maximum amount of klingon yes oops all klingons previously we had klingons show up for an episode and they've been mentioned but this is the like here is klingons here's what we're doing with klingons in next generation here's mm-hmm. how klingons work now behold the klingon yes so it's you know it's not about uh you know the like, things are different now, and we're not really going to go into do too many details why, other than these guys are, like, rebels or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we're going to actually show you what the Klingons, what Klingons are like these days. And, you know, you can sort of maybe compare and contrast a little bit to classic series, but, uh, you know, to a certain degree, perhaps they've always been like this, because we just didn't get a whole lot of exposure about life as a Klingon up until this point. So this is the episode A Matter of Honor where Riker goes to do Klingon things with Klingons. Yes. And, uh, you know, Worf's in this one too, but he's mostly just frustrated. Yeah. He's a sort of a frustrated side character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yet, uh, yeah, overall, I, I kind of like this one. Uh, you know, there's some uh, interesting stuff going on and uh, having sort of, a, you know, Riker in a you know, a uh, culture shock sort of situation is kind of nice to sort of see how he adapts. And overall, he does that pretty well, I'd say. And, uh, you know, and also, you know, how another character tries to adapt to a new uh, culture situation and how they kind of fail totally on it. So compare and contrast. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing's really fun. I do enjoy yeah. this episode for being fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode was written by Burton Armis, who previously wrote Outrageous Okana. And did uncredited work for other episodes like the Icarus Factor. Um, he was previously a NYPD detective before doing TV and stuff. So, uh, you know, much following in the whole Gene Roddenberry vein of being a cop and then writing Star Trek. <laughs> so, uh, I guess that explains uh, why this, uh, he was a uh, co-executive producer for Dragnet for a while. So Yeah, he did advising on stuff like Kojak and Dragnet and wrote for Airwolf and Knight Rider, which are the same show, just one is a car and one is a helicopter. <laughs> hmm. uh, it's also involved in Chips, which I guess is also apt, given the cop background. We also have um, story credits for wanda height and gregory armos but they don't even have links on wikipedia not not even like the red stuff that's like this page doesn't exist they aren't even links at all yeah uh wanda and uh, gregory here uh like this is the only thing they apparently worked on so like anywhere as far as i've been able to find as well so I guess they just like knew uh, Burton Armis and like, hey, we got some ideas here. And he's like, oh, okay, Klingons, that's kind of cool. You get some credit. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> you exist somewhere in credit and then, you know, maybe you don't actually exist beyond that. So there are way too many guest stars. There's an entire extra ship on this episode. I bet yeah. this is where the, all of the budget for season two went full on. There's an yeah, entire good other set and an entire <laughs> other cast. <laughs> well that and maybe a couple things later anyway <laughs> but uh yeah a, a, a lot was invested in this episode and uh uh you know we sort of have the uh to a certain degree a recreation but also sort of a innovation uh of uh what we've seen previously of the uh Cleon bird of prey sort of thing uh, in the star trek movies and uh and yeah it's sort of a uh updated sort of version of all that so as far as guest stars i'm only going to mention the main people because there's just way too many people this mm-hmm. whole thing so we've got john putch playing mendon he previously played marduk 
in the episode Coming of Age, and he was brought back because they had the makeup and they needed yep. another Benzite. <laughs> and they were like, let's just make them all look the same, and then we can just reuse the same makeup. This was expensive. Yes, because <laughs> it is you know, sort of a... Uh unusual sort of a style it's like sort of a catfish sort of thing going on yeah and this little uh face mask nebulizer i think um and yeah so yeah this guy's been a bunch of stuff well we mentioned that previously but uh so we can move on <laughs> and then we have christopher collins as captain cargan um he plays four different star trek characters he was in uh, Sumerian Snare. He's two random dudes in DS9. He's around a lot. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see him again. Don't worry. And also, he can't talk through his Klingon teeth, which leads his entire performance. I was like, this is your second officer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds vaguely drunk. <laughs> I mean, it fits the character. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's great for the character. It's just an in- interesting to force an acting decision like that. <laughs> Just just make it work. You're, you're Klingon. You're not, not going to be able to speak English well anyway. So, <laughs> And then finally, for our purposes, we've got Brian Thompson as Klang. Mm-hmm. He's huge. Yeah, he is. <laughs> you, you will recognize this dude if you see him. He's got one of those faces like, oh, yeah, that guy, that jawline. Yes. <laughs> uh, he got to start acting with a very small part in Terminator, which is a very no- nice way to start your acting career. Indeed. Uh, he is best known as the alien bounty hunter in the X-Files, and mm-hmm. he will go on to play four additional Star Trek characters, random aliens, a Jem Hadar in DS9, and a Klingon in Generations, and a uh, random Romulan in Enterprise. He is just, he is just around. Yeah, there, in uh, the fourth season of Enterprise, there's a, a bit of a plot involving uh, Romulans, and you know he's like the Romulan guy in charge of that. Even though the uh, heroes of the story don't actually ever like meet him, he's like he's just I'm there. Because otherwise, it would break continuity. It wouldn't make exactly. any sense for them to have <laughs> Romulans in Enterprise, because the Romulan War would have happened years before that, and they never saw each other. <laughs> But uh, in terms of Enterprise, you know, the uh, entire Romulan War is supposed to take place between the uh, last episode and the episode before it uh, of the series. So, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, if you look him up just to, like, if you look him up to recognize the actor, you'll interestingly recognize him. But also, the scene that he's in in Terminator is being punched in the stomach by a naked Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. (laughs) He's one of those punks there. (laughs) So there's just pictures of him being punched by naked Arnold. <laughs> like, well, this is awkward. Hmm. Now, uh, uh, he, he was technically in one thing before this, Hardcastle and McCormick, but uh, that only ends up reminding me of Wizard People, dear reader, and you know, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> it sounds like a beer. <laughs> sounds like you go to a go to a bar and order a hard castle in the yeah, corner so be like a either like a new england sort of thing like or like a northern england thing maybe uh where it's like all right well this is kind of like a local sort of thing and no one outside this area knows about it so enjoy mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's everybody for our purposes you're gonna hear me mention yeah. other people but i guess they're not important in my like, head uh, uh, vecba and uh, random klingon crewman and the ops eng- ensign yeah all those dudes <laughs> so uh the enterprise and its crew are engaging in an officer exchange program they're taking mm-hmm. other officers from the federation and then allied species and they're serving on different ships for a period of time so they can learn different ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. So everyone uh, learns. The officer currently assigned to the Enterprise is Mendon, who Wesley very understandably mistakes for his friend Mardok because, as Mendon explains, they all look exactly the same. Because they're from the same, like, geostructure, was it? Yeah. They actually have the same geostructure. Yeah, it's like, I'm not sure how that affects your uh, biology yeah. specifically, but there's maybe a story there that... We We're on the same like, rocks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, so you're like catfish people, but you you grow out of rocks? Yeah. What? I do think it's an interesting one, because it's like, <laughs> can- canonically, in the thing, no, Wesley's not being racist. We do all look the same. <laughs> 
like, yeah, you know, this is just just deal with it, kid. <laughs> we look deal the with- same to us too. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, how do you tell each other apart? Well, we just do. <laughs> As the crew gets situated, Picard calls Riker to the target range, which is a massive black room with little colored lights everywhere. I do think it's interesting that they have, like, a targeting range. They say, come to the targeting range. And then, like, you know, in that awful scene in Star Trek Generations, they have the the stellar cartography room which mm-hmm. is a massive map room but like yes. <laughs> you have like six holodecks on this ship that could do any of this yes <laughs> but uh, we're gonna have a special room for just this yeah we have a massive they have too much space on this ship is the thing yes yeah it's, you know it's, uh, it's a, a rather large building in space yeah you know and uh it's a, it, in terms of like comparing it to like a, an aircraft carrier, you know, the the Enterprise is mostly empty while the aircraft carriers are like packed. So, yeah. I mean, I saw a thing a while back where like the crew of the Enterprise is like, I'd have to look it up, but it's it's a few hundred people. Uh, I think it's just uh, over a thousand total. Okay, in terms so of- just around a thousand people ish. But like a modern aircraft carrier, which is smaller than this, mm-hmm. uh, can hold like 2000 crew members. Yes. <laughs> so this ship is mostly empty space. You know, certain amounts of it is taken up by machinery or, you know, crew quarters that are, like, super luxurious and are basically apartments. Yeah. Um, but, and do you uh, know what no, the it's... rent would be on one of those crew quarters in Manhattan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing pretty absurd. <laughs> I would say at least 3000 a month. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe four, depending on on the area. They don't even, don't even have a, like a proper kitchen in there, just a replicator. <laughs> so uh, while they're shooting dots with phasers, they talk beep, about beep, beep, beep. the exchange program. Picard mentions that it's been suggested that an Enterprise officer take part and that there's a Klingon ship nearby. And Riker volunteers because as far as he knows, no human has ever served with Klingons before. And, you know, he does this kind of thing. Yeah, he wants to, you know, be a first sort of person and, uh, you know, uh, also look good on the resume. And I guess the alternative is uh, we we send Wesley over there and then, you know, don't have Wesley anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. Wesley surfing on a Klingon ship. (laughs) He learns to stand up for himself. I guess that would be one way to do it. Uh, Either that or he dies. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Worf, being the Klingon that Riker knows... Uh, is giving him a primer on life on a Klingon ship. Like how if the captain is weak, you kill him. And yeah. if you're weak, the second officer is going to kill you. That's how it works. So, so, you know, don't be weak. Also, you know, be honorable and stuff. And then also Mendon wanders around vaguely going, hmm, yes, that could be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, a, a very unique uh, way you have laid out the console here, but... Maybe there's a couple things that could be improved, you know, by my theory. Yeah. Yes. My. <laughs> so Riker goes and has a feast in 10 Forward. Apparently it's a tradition to have a feast before a transfer. Hmm. And uh, Pulaski joins him, choosing to not eat any of the Klingon food, which, like, most of it is octopus and there's a beef kidney. I've, I've eaten yep. all almost everything on this table. And uh, apparently there was like, you know, falafel and like uh, sushi and all kind of tied up in there and just, you know, sort of presented in a uh, kind of vaguely alienist way. Yeah, they just put it on the table in slightly odd configurations. But like I've I have had 90 percent of this. It's pretty it's pretty good food, really. (laughs) So, you know, Jonathan Frakes got to uh, have an interesting dinner as part of his uh, his work here. It looks a lot better than that blue squid that they gave them in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> I remember there was a thing, there was an article talking about the like sort of implicit racism that they have in the alien food on Star Trek because especially when they needed a lot of stuff for like Voyager how they cuz they're always hanging out in the mess hall with you know, all of the alien food. Mm-hmm. Um, the prop guy would mostly just go to the Asian market and buy fruit. And like that's not weird alien fruit. That's staple diet food yeah. in another country. <laughs> yeah, just the American audiences aren't used to it, and that's good enough for us. Are you gonna like paint it a weird color? No. <laughs> but uh, Riker has a great time. He's like, look at all this cool food I get to eat. Yeah. 
you know, a heart of Targ and uh, Gawk and other stuff. Yeah. Uh, Picard joins them and very politely asks some questions about the food. Like, hmm, let's, hmm, yeah, let's not touch that. <laughs> Riker's a... the only fun one on this entire ship. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Data tries to be a fun one, but you know, he still kind of doesn't have the right you know, connection going on here. Uh, and I guess Pulaski also tries to be a fun one at times, but not really right now. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to eat. The stuff like why are humans so picky in the future, huh? <laughs> you know the reason that humans are picky. Well, Americans specifically, we're the picky eaters of the world. Yeah. The reason that American food is so characteristically bland and uninteresting is because they told us during the Great Depression that spices were going to cause you to turn to the devil. Whoops, that's a little absurd. Yeah, that was the whole thing. No spicy food because it would encourage devil worship and all of the stuff that they gave people for food aid during the Depression was like the most simple, basic bullshit because they're like, if we give people good food, then they'll not want to work anymore. Dun, dun, dun. And we can't have that. You know, uh, remember, we ha you have to suffer sufficiently in order to be you know, a godly worker here, so, yeah. you know. Even though at the time, at the time, America was just, you know, filled with immigrants who came from places with good, really cheap, simple food cultures. Yes. <laughs> the, you know, you ask anyone from southern Italy to cook a meal with three basic ingredients and you'll get something that you pay $40 for in a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... I guess uh, one of the side effects is that sort of pricing now. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, simple stuff that is, you know, it's fairly easy to make now is seen as a delicacy. It's a little yeah. absurd. <laughs> I mean, have you heard of white sauce? It was apparently something that they did a lot during the Depression, which was uh, boiled flour with boiled noodles and carrots. Huh. Now, I, I personally have an issue with carrots, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And if you put pepper in it, you're going to hell. <laughs> you see the, the hotness you feel? That's the devil. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, humans should be over their weird food pickiness by the time they're engaging with literal alien cuisine, is my point. But yes. Apparently, <laughs> apparently not. But, you know, the, uh, the Federation is the United States, so it inherits all the uh, corpse mm -hmm. as, along with. So Worf gives Riker an emergency transponder so they can beam him back aboard if necessary. The Klingons arrive. Riker's sent on board. Uh, right, uh, Gepwin, the, uh, the good news about the uh, transponder there, it could be used mm. as a suppository. <laughs> it does look it. <laughs> <laughs> so the Klingons arrive. Riker's sent on board. And Mendon scans the ship and finds something. But he doesn't report it. He starts analyzing it. This will become important at a later time. Got some sort of unknown sample here. <sighs> Quick. To the uh, you know, uh, you know uh, experimental chamber and uh, get Gordon Freeman in here to like laser it or something. Yeah. So after Riker leaves, Mendon tries to talk to Picard about improvements, but he's skipping several steps in the chain of command. Mm -hmm. He should report to Worf, who's like, "You can give me a report later, and I hate you." Yes. <laughs> it's like you're obviously trying to go over my head, and yeah, what? I just, mm -hmm. just talk to me, okay? <laughs> On the Klingon ship, which is the Pach, spelled with a G-H. You really get that <laughs> sound in there. Yeah. A Pach on both your houses. <laughs> <laughs> so Riker gets ex examined by the tactical officer who's never seen a human before. He is introduced to Captain Cargan, And uh, Cargan interrogates Riker about his loyalty. He wants to know if he would help them fight the Federation if it came to it. And he passes, essentially, by being willing to die. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important to Klingons. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, sometimes people, uh, including myself, describe the uh, Klingon sort of way of life on these ships as sort of a death cult here. And, yeah, it's a little obvious here on this particular sort of moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I'm willing to die for you. It's all good. I, all right, I guess that's good enough. <laughs> And then we're introduced to the second officer, and I just, I just, I don't know why. Maybe because he's got a weirdly simple name for a Klingon. Mm -hmm. Every time the captain introduces him, it's very funny to me. <laughs> this is your second officer, Commander Klang. Klang. <laughs> the second officer, Klang, does not believe Riker can handle being on a Klingon ship. And Riker goes, Captain, what should I do? He says, like, well, it's your first command decision. Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then he punches Clang out. 
It's like, uh, you know, Kling is, you know, huge and also like on an upper level of the bridge, like a step up. Yeah. So, you know, Riker's like, well, I can't punch him, but maybe here to the stomach and then I flip you over. There we go. <laughs> well, he does the Federation's super signature double fist punch. Yes. <laughs> Just copping Clark, uh, Kirk, you know. <laughs> so Worf uh, detects an unknown substance on the skin of the ship. Some sort of subatomic bacteria. I don't... How? What? <laughs> it's space science. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> bacteria are generally, you know, made of atoms. Yes. But okay. <laughs> uh, so it's like made out of uh, neutrons and protons, but it's not an atom. It's a bacteria somehow. So it's like semi-degenerate neutrino uh, neutron star <laughs> material that is alive and eating the ship i guess yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's feeding on some components of the hull hmm. mendon goes oh yeah i saw that earlier it was on the pach and they all go like w did you not tell it what why did you not say this dude this could have like, been important He's, yeah he goes well on a benzite ship it would have been inefficient for me to not give a full report to know what to do and etc and they're like okay but you they like it's our fault for not telling you how things work but like you've put the entire ship in danger so good yeah. job so uh you know be more you know upfront about the things you encounter here going yeah. forward and maybe we won't have to like put you in a a, a room by yourself <laughs> for the rest of the time you're here but also uh, keep doing what you're doing because yeah. you know we need to know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> so you're probably good at analysis. So uh, get back to doing that. But yeah, be be more upfront here. Come on. So uh, Riker's being observed by the Klingons in the mess because they're like, I've had this happen. Like if you go out to eat with someone who's from a different food culture of you, like they keep handing you stuff. Go like eat that. Yeah. I'm like yeah, cool. I <laughs> love this. That. This is my favorite. <laughs> This is my absolute favorite. He used to have a friend who would take us to Korean restaurants. It's like, try that. It's like, try that. Try that. It's like, yes, I will take all of the weird food. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I uh, had a, a, a similar experience, I suppose. Uh, well, you know, years ago, uh, I was in a dorm situation with a uh, couple fellows from uh, India. And they're like, you know, all right, so, you know, we're all kind of eating dinner here. He's like, yeah, you know, you should try some of this. I'm like, I'm not sure. And like, all right, I give it a try. And I didn't, didn't like it because, well, <laughs> there's a lot of American foods I don't like, in fact. So uh, I'm, you know, a bit on the outlier in terms of, uh, you know, tastes here. Uh, and, uh, you know, a couple other things. And then it's like, all right, well, so this, uh, you know, strange tasting bread here seems pretty good. So I eat like half and I realize, oh, the spicy side is the, the aftertaste. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I still enjoyed it, but, you know, like for the hour afterwards, like, mm, my mouth is on fire. <laughs> mm -hmm. Let's see. I grew up in Arizona, so that sounds normal. Yeah. <laughs> so he's in the mess hall. Everyone's giving him weird food. They give him gawk. And he's like, that's gawk, but I think it's moving. It's like, yeah, you eat it alive, dude. Yeah, it's, it's best that way. And then two female Klingons start flirting with him. And he, like, flirts back to <laughs> show bravado. <laughs> And one of us is like, I will be back for you. It's like, she's serious? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to know if you die. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, good luck. And, uh, you know, uh, Riker is kind of a player. So, you know, it, yeah. if he gets uh, out through the situation, all right, uh, he'll be a-okay -A on in terms of, uh, yeah. you know. And nine months later, you get Bellanotaurus. Yes. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, uh, Clang asks if Riker is a typical human because he has a sense of humor which they didn't expect <laughs> and then he's like well we both have parents which is a weird why is this everyone's go-to for we have something in common everybody's got parents and then the one budding species in the corner is like oh <laughs> yeah uh, they uh I don't generally show such species but uh i do recall the uh, uh mention of a character that was never shown on uh, deep space nine it's like Oh yeah, you know, and uh, so you know, Edson so and so is uh, you know budding this you know, this week, so they're uh, they're out, and uh, you know, it's like oh, congrats, tell them congratulations, yeah, they're uh, mm -hmm. you know, they're now expecting, and you know, <laughs> yeah, Deep Space Nine loved doing that. It's like here's a really cool, interesting sci-fi thing that we've talked about. Will we see it? No, no, because we don't got Never. the budget because we're not focusing on that character. <laughs> yeah, like, no, we're just gonna mention it. 
Yeah, I would have loved to see the uh, the one guy with like the uh, the see through skull thing going on. So this gets everybody talking about their fathers. Um, the other Klingon's fathers died in battle, but Klang gets all contemplative and goes like, "My father is still alive and was not allowed to die. Now I... he just waits to die of illness like a useless lump." So, uh, this sounds like some uh, dishonor stuff going on here. Uh, yeah. Maybe let's not dwell on it. So Riker's a bit shocked, but Klingons don't express feelings the way humans do. We wouldn't know how. And then Riker goes, well, I didn't know how to eat gawk yesterday. So we're learning. Everyone's yeah. learning. You yeah. can be sad about your father. I will fix your daddy issues. Hmm. So, so uh, would you like to like go and hang out with your dad sometime? We have a sport. It's called baseball. Yeah. It's like hitting <laughs> a head with a bat. <laughs> No, uh, when we do run into uh, Riker's dad later, uh, they have a different sport they get up to. I know. He's like, oh, my father is great. Except for in three episodes when uh, we realize that my father is an asshole. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe Riker's in denial about that. Or lying. So Mendon's identified the bacteria feeding on the hull. It's the same one that's on the Klingon ship, but also the Klingon ship is made of more of whatever it's eating. So the Klingon ship is in a significant amount of danger. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they might like fly apart randomly soon. So yeah. we should probably like warn them. So Picard orders them to send a warning to the Pog and to intercept them, but they're on undesignated maneuvers. So they don't know where they are. Hmm. So they are on maneuvers. Sorry, <laughs> right, just channeling some ideas in there anyway yeah <laughs> i have invented a maneuver <laughs> oh, what is it dr Heim dr heimlich <laughs> <laughs> so on the park kargan calls Riker in to look at a hole in the ship it's a bacterium yeah <laughs> opening a hole in the hall uh, they've got about eight hours until the ship flies apart at the seams hmm. so uh, maybe we should uh you know cut off that section and uh you know, replace it. Like we don't have spare parts on this ship. That would be stupid. It would leave. It would leave less room for guns. <laughs> well, I really hope then you don't get uh, lost to the far side of the galaxy on a, a long duration mission trying to get home. Then, because you know, because then you wouldn't be able to like you know uh, have instant Repair repairs of everything. Or do anything. Afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> but also, the Enterprise focused a scanning beam on that section of the ship for several minutes, so we must have been attacked. <laughs> Because a scanning beam is dangerous. Yeah. So Cargan decides that they're going to attack the Enterprise in retaliation. Clang tries to speak up for Riker, uh, but beating them is honorable, except something, something they wouldn't lie. I don't know. Maybe we should believe it was a mistake. But then the Enterprise is like looking for them, and Kang's like, "Ha! Ah, they're looking for us. They've come to finish the job." Yeah, because that makes sense. You know, not just. Waiting to see if they just fly apart on their own. Yeah. But uh, arm torpedoes and wait for them to come into range. Aha. Yeah, also, n none of this random attacking a Klingon you know, uh, ship here makes any sense otherwise. So, you know, there's also maybe that to think about. Yeah, but this captain is just bloodthirsty and yeah. weird. <laughs> so Riker tries to convince them that the Enterprise is here to help. But he demands that Riker tell them their tactical weaknesses. And he goes, nope, I'm not betraying my former ship, even if I have to fight them. And he goes, that was a test. You passed. I would have killed you. If you were a traitor. Yeah, I guess being a reasonable person is a good thing then. All right. So Mendon's figured out how to cleanse the bacteria from the hull. And uh, they add that to their message. Uh, Klang reports that. But, of course, Kargan's like, no, that's a trick. Everything's a trick. I'm very smart. <laughs> Maybe uh, you know the captain here is uh, realizing he's getting kind of up there in years and uh, wants to go out in a blaze of glory. So they're all prepared to attack. Riker goes, don't attack and don't decloak until you're within 40,000 kilometers because it cuts down on their response time. And then he pulls out the transponder that Worf gave him and turns it on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cargan goes, what is that? Give it to me. And Worf detects it, and they beam out Riker to the bridge as soon as they're within 40,000 kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, but uh, instead of Riker, we get a, a surprise visitor instead. Yeah. They get a very surprised-looking Klingon, who Worf immediately shoots because he was going to pull a weapon. Yes. 
I've been betrayed. <laughs> Sometimes the transporter takes a while and they go like, hey, this seems off. They're carrying guns or something. Mm. This time they don't notice that they're the wrong species. Yes. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess, uh, you know, you know, with the cloaking device, uh, you, you probably aren't able to sort of scan the specific target you're going for uh, properly. So maybe there's, you know, some excuse there. But still, like, once they're in the matter stream, you should be able to, like, pick up a few things. Yeah. So everyone on the Klingon ship goes, what the hell, dude? And Riker goes, I have taken out the captain because he was acting irrationally. And now I'm in command. Mwah! Gotta follow my orders now. Let's go blow up now, some stuff. <laughs> now lower the cloaking device and lock phasers on the Enterprise. <laughs> so the POC decloaks, and Captain Riker demands that the Enterprise surrender and that they repair their ship. Hmm. Oh. oh, okay. <laughs> so Cargan gets sent back and is pissed. Riker gives back command and then stands there until Cargan hits him off of the bridge. <laughs> like, you have done your duty, but also I have to reassert my command here, so punch. And Klang goes, you know, maybe you understand us better than I thought. <laughs> like, well, either that or, or Riker was d distracted or something like that for a few moments there. Just didn't decide to leave. <laughs> Picard's happy to have him back, even if he's got a giant black eye. Mm -hmm. And Riker lets Worf know that he's really glad the Klingons are on their side. Yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we've had a, an alliance for a bit here. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad I don't have to get punched by them a lot more in the future. Hopefully. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's a matter of honor. Mm -hmm. What do we think? Oh, it was like... I, overall, I like this one. Uh, you know, a uh, fun little look at a, uh, another culture, an alien culture. And, uh, yeah, there's maybe, you know, uh, questions about, you know, uh, you know how this sort of culture is developed uh, like this and, you know, how it sort of got to this and, you know, what sort of aspects of uh, Klingon sort of encourages it. Um, but, you know, in terms of a first sort of exposure, yeah, we don't need all that. So we're just going to have a, a fun little romp here. Yeah, I mean... None of the cultures in this show make any sense at all, yeah. <laughs> even a little bit. Even the Federation barely makes sense as a culture, as a, as a cohesive entity that could exist in its own world. Yes. But, you know, as a cool alien thing, as just some cool sci-fi stuff that doesn't necessarily have to make sense. Yeah, great. Yeah. This is great. Yes, uh so uh, Star Trek, more cool stuff like this, uh, just in general, and uh, you'll probably keep us happy, hopefully. This is one of my favorite episodes overall of this series. Like, mm -hmm. I love this comedy, like, fish out of water, but with Klingon stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, I think this show overall really doesn't give Riker the amount of time to shine that he's entitled to. Indeed. You know, it's, you know, there's, there's plenty of good stuff, you know, with like, you know, Picard and things like that and other characters. Uh, but a lot of the time, Riker kind of gets sort of pigeonholed into the, you know, I'm here to carry out the captain's orders sort of stuff here. Um, and, you know, some of that does come from, you know, especially later in the series where he's like doing a lot of directing sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. And so he's not necessarily having the time to, you know, be a center of the episode. Um, but still, you know, in terms of, you know, the early stuff, you know, it's, uh, you know, there, there, there's good stuff like this. Uh, and then there's stuff where he's kind of centered like, uh, what was it, uh, Angel One, where, you know, he's sort of a, a main character uh, focus there. But it's kind of a, a terrible episode. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, maybe we don't want this kind of focus. But <laughs> yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, good episodes plus Riker equals a good time. Yeah, Frakes is a really good actor. Mm -hmm. He doesn't get a lot of chance to show off. And Riker is one of the more interesting characters because he's got that like young, ambitious, I'm still excited about everything vibe going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, some of the other characters are like, yeah, we're kind of just doing our job here. While Riker's like, I'm going to go explore some weird culture stuff here. And that's kind of cool. And I do really like the... The way that it shows 
the creativity and living in the spirit of your ideals because mm-hmm. the the whole thing especially this particular episode they have this cultural exchange program so everyone can understand each other better which is very very much like the spirit of the federation we're all sharing we want to understand mm-hmm. and better ourselves and etc cetera, etc cetera. and on first glance it's like how is he going to get along on a klingon ship at all where they're killing each other for fun it's like well it's not quite like that actually <laughs> just kind of feels like it sometimes yeah but even when he's in a position to like he has to solve a problem with this crazy captain and he doesn't want to kill the guy so he comes up with a solution that still fits within this general spirit of their cultural values mm-hmm. but mixing in his own cultural values and still being able to pull it off without really ticking off anyone too badly. Yeah, I guess uh, you know at that point he's also kind of established that it's like, yeah, I'm still going to be my own person, but I'm going to be willing to you know bend and conform with uh, you know the general vibe of the ship, and you know going to make my best sort of way forward, you know sort of combining the best aspects of both of these. So and you know the crew's like, yeah, you know, kind of it's like yeah, it makes sense. All right, so. We can actually get along with you. You're not going to be a stick in the mud. You're not going to be this stuffy Starfleet officer that we kind of, you know, expect given, you know, uh, sort of how we've interacted generally as, uh, you know, two space umpires in the past. Uh, so, you know, uh, we can we can get along with this and we're interested to see how you take things. And, well, that's where he takes things. It's also interesting since this is somehow not really a side of this kind of exploration thing that we get a lot in these series because one of their stated things that they say all the time is we're here to explore new life find new stuff learn about each other explore space see what's out there Mm -hmm. and half the time because they're supposed to be essentially modern american stand-in characters a lot of the time when they encounter anything new or different they'll go ew (laughs) we're now shocked and now we have to be uncomfortable about the whole situation i feel like that's one of the places where they don't use Riker to his full potential as a character because Riker, as he's written in this and he has a fairly consistent character throughout everything they just don't give him a chance to use it much Mm -hmm. like Riker is the guy who's really, really excited about all of this stuff. Yeah. Like, he's not just going on a cultural exchange thing to learn. He's going because no one's ever done it before. He's embracing all of the Klingon stuff. He beats up his second officer. He eats all their weird food. He probably had sex with that Klingon woman off screen because it's Riker. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Maybe both of them, actually. (laughs) Yeah, possibly both. Like, that's definitely a thing that happened, and we all know it. Oh. So, uh, the rest of the crew, you should, like, follow his example. I think that that's something that gets missed, because a lot of what this show does, especially given the, like, very strong 80s, 90s vibes of the whole thing, Mm -hmm. is this preaching tolerance idea. Like, we have tolerance for other cultures, but tolerance, as a lot of people recently have been critiquing, means that you tolerate someone. You you deign to have them around, and you guess it's fine. Yes. <laughs> this episode, especially since everyone likes the Klingons, and they're cool, and we can, we can get, get behind the whole Klingon thing, this episode is one of the only ones that's truly showing a Federation character really celebrating another culture. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess the closest we get, uh, you know, elsewise, other than stuff that's like wharf centric, uh, is actually Jadzia Dax, and and half of those are wharf centric still. So yeah, and yeah, you know, when we get to Jadzia, she's also celebrating the Klingon culture thing. The Klingons are the people you're allowed to celebrate, mm-hmm. apparently. <laughs> yeah, sure, they might have an empire of with you know based on a, a sort of feudalistic system that. Yeah, you know, was uh, you know uh, prone to internal strife and you know backstabbing and all that sort of stuff. That you know, in terms of the the high level, you know, well, uh, folks involved, you know, tends to maybe not meet the ideals that they espouse. But there are elements here that actually do follow it. 
yeah does this make does this place make any sense at all as uh, a place as a culture that we could be allies with probably not even yeah. a little bit but you know it's working out <laughs> yeah we're, we're allies with them and uh we're just not gonna think about you know how they conquer random planets sometimes you know yeah, well, you know, the Federation, my, as, as I have critiqued many times, like, fully uh, gets in bed with fascists. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why are we making friends with this? Uh, because we need them to be on our side. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but then we're friends with the worst people in the galaxy. So how does this actually help us? Because they're going to help us fight the Romulans. I will have more critiques of this much like much later on, but they have whole things of like this this uh, this one little upstart empire is doing a full on genocide on this planet. Um, we'll take refugees. Yeah, that's that's cool. <laughs> Good, great, that's, that's cool. All we're gonna uh, do. We'll put them in slums. We'll put them in tent cities for some reason. And you know that's all we can uh, you know let ourselves do because you know uh, a prime directive. There we go. Uh, otherwise, we'd be interfering with something. Yeah. And never mind that it's you know a, an activity between two other empires, and uh, you know that kind of you know is not an internal affairs sort of thing here. But yeah. <laughs> so overall, I think this episode's really light on anything else because it's mostly just being fun mm -hmm. but i do think it as far as the spirit of the show goes this one really exemplifies it a lot better than anything else yes and this is something that they should do more this is something that i really like in a few episodes of lower decks as well like Yes, these people are very highly trained military officers and they are very good in a variety of situations and things, but this entire ship is supposed to be full of diplomats and scientists and people who are studying space. Like, this entire ship should be nothing but nerds. Yep. <laughs> like, every single situation they're in, they should be super giddy and excited to figure it out because that's what you're supposed to be doing here. I understand for TV you need them to be like stoic explorer dudes but yeah. getting to see them be like i'm super excited because i get to go eat klingon worms <laughs> like oh heck yeah i'm gonna be doing some crazy stuff here and you know we're gonna see how this goes and uh you know i'll have a interesting ex you know experience and a, a great memory for later down down the line yeah. yeah i think it's kind of unfortunate that like I understand why they did it because they like Picard's character as the like stoic diplomat dude. Mm -hmm. But like later on when they bring in more and more of the Klingon stuff, wouldn't it make a lot more sense to have like Riker yes. can full on <laughs> take over a Klingon ship and get every member of the crew to follow him into battle? Mm -hmm. Maybe we should bring Riker to deal with the High Council. Yes. <laughs> It's like, you know, uh, Riker, you have some experience, like, and know how to sort of read the room, as it were, on a, you know, a Klingon situation. So why are you, you know, you kind of being sidelined in the later episodes? Well, there's, you know, sort of behind the scenes stuff. And also the writers wanted this sort of vibe, on, yeah, et cetera. But, you know. Because they knew if they let Riker in the room, he would have been emperor within a month. <laughs> It's like, but I wanted to be in charge of the High Council, says Gowron. And Riker's like, well, you <laughs> still can be. I just get to be Emperor. <laughs> no, he just meets Gowron. It's like, I'm in charge of the High Council. It's like, oh, think again. I've stabbed you. <laughs> but you didn't issue a formal challenge. Well, I did. You know, you just were late for it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I just stabbed you in the in the, in the foot. What you going to do about it? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Galron's unconscious, and I'm using him as a footstool. I'm in charge now. <laughs> you know, some people are like this is very embarrassing, and others are like, "Heck yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, "Well, there's a human in charge." It's like, are, are you going to confront him? Because I'm not. <laughs> yeah, he's going to stab me if I do. <laughs> I, I don't think it's worth it. <laughs> and somehow he's now married both of the Duras sisters and brought up about global peace. <laughs> I've united the Empire at last. Hooray. All right. Uh, <laughs> give me that sword of Kalos and we're good to go. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so, so maybe 
maybe at some points like uh Clang is like you know reports back to the high council is like yeah and, uh, if uh yeah we run into that Riker guy again uh you know try to like have him not be core involved in uh all the affairs of things here because you know he, they might be too successful <laughs> I mean, he like, probably probably just went back and issued a false report and it's like and and this Riker dude he just like ran away yeah like, like a coward like a human you know you know how humans are well I can kind of see maybe the captain's uh, report would be like that uh, you know Cargan's uh, but Clang's you know completely different and so maybe there's like a you know a, a weird cultural sort of uh, you know uh, aspect that sort of grows out of that where there's some Klingons that are like like, well, maybe the humans aren't so bad, and others are like, hmm, they're, they're cowardly, and we can totally beat them in a fight. So, you know, maybe we should do that sometime. And thus, we have Riker to blame for, you know, the uh, not, you know season and a half of the Klingons, you know, fighting everybody in DS9. Well, they didn't, they didn't cause an intergalactic incident, yes. which, like, <laughs> is a plus for any of this. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well... Uh, there are situations where Riker's style probably could, uh, you know, cause intergalactic incident, but some of the, uh, the I guess, uh, the alien species that uh, he would have been a, uh, a problem for really only show up in Enterprise. So, you know, we're probably okay. <laughs> like those one guys that get upset when people, like, eat in their presence. It's like, it's like yeah, it's like a sexual act. What? <laughs> How does that make sense? And Riker would have fully embraced it. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to start hitting on you now uh, by eating this ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. I think we've I think we've written enough Riker fanfic for the day. <laughs> Riker, man of action. <laughs> no, I don't. I I think that was most of what I had. This this episode is pretty light on theming, aside from Klingons. Yeah. Well, I guess I do have a quick note about humor in Star Trek that, mm. you know, you mentioned in the, uh, you know, you know, uh, who's who uh, a bit, you know, that uh, Burton Armis, uh, you know, is also uh, behind another bit of a comedy in Star Trek here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, the, uh, the, the, the previous episode, uh, you know, the with Okana and all that uh, is, you know, sort of a, uh, you know, one of those episodes where it's like the humor is bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but here the humor where, where it is, is uh, both much lighter uh, in terms of, you know, density, but also way better. Uh, Cause it's sort of like, yes, uh, you know, here is, uh, you know, Riker sort of showing his bravado and the uh, Klingons are like, Oh yeah. You know, humans do have a sense of humor. That's kind of cool. Uh, and you know the uh, the bit between uh, the bits between uh, Menden and Worf, where Worf is like quietly seething, where it's like, yeah, I'm a Starfleet officer. I can't just randomly kill this guy for being a pain in the ass. <laughs> so uh, you know, now you're going to report to me, and you know, we're obviously not going to be friends, but I'm going to respect the chain of command like you should be. <laughs> well, it's like if you if you just write the episode to be funny. Instead of trying to make half the episode about the concept of humor. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of interesting to look at it with that because, like, this does mean that if they'd had just focused more on Okana as a slightly comic side character, which he was, mm-hmm. uh, you could have made it a lot better because this episode is essentially writing Riker as the lovable rogue character. Indeed. <laughs> So, uh, you know, maybe if you're going to have a lovable rogue, just make it Riker. Yeah, you guys seem to yeah, know how to write it. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I guess, uh, you know, overall, I, I do appreciate the humor here. And, uh, you know, as I said, you know, it's you know, much you know, uh, lighter in density. But sometimes when you're trying to have a good chuckle, that's how you go for it. You can have, you know, a mix of tense moments and humorous moments. And you can actually put together a pretty good episode as a result. You know, not everything has to be totally bleak or completely, you know, farcical. You can have something that's a good mix of both. And uh, I uh, hope Star Trek going forward has more sort of, uh, you know, sort of a good mix like that. You know, some of the forces I do rather enjoy, uh, you know, it's particularly like the Magnificent Ferengi. But <laughs> but, uh, in, but even that one, you know, still has moments of, you know, it's like, all right, so this is kind of an absurd situation, but 
we're tr- the characters are trying to like you know treat it as a serious situation and react accordingly uh you know while uh, some other farces where it's like yeah this is just beating dead jokes into the ground and awful things that are like that's wasn't funny but it's trying to pretend it is uh painful yeah well you gotta so. mix it in you gotta mix in yeah. your serious stuff with your comedic stuff unless mm-hmm. you're going really really full-on straight comedy yes you know like yeah, not everything can be uh you know a flea in her ear uh sort of stuff here so uh it's uh you know you if you are a great comedy writer you'll you'll get the work and you'll be able to pull it off time and time again but for like 99 percent of everyone else you know pace yourself You'll be able that's to get, even part of it results. even in even in stuff that's comedy movies or even fucking stand-up acts like you have to have some amount of more serious stuff because the contrast is what makes it interesting mm-hmm. what was the the the, uh, the one song like uh ann's diner whatever that one was or it's like a long story of the guys, you know, uh, Alice's restaurant, Alice's restaurant. There we go. And, you know, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of silliness here. And it's kind of a, you know, a, you know, thing there. But, you know, at you know, one point it's like, yeah, and it's like now we're going to talk about the draft. And, you know, the whole song is about the draft. Yeah, <laughs> that's the actual song, point of the song. It's like, oh, <laughs> everything leading huh. up to that was just preamble. <laughs> If one person does it, they're crazy. If two people do it, it's a coincidence. If three people do it, it's a movement. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, Alice's Restaurant is a good example of you got a pretty absurd sort of thing that you're experiencing here, but there's still underlying, you know, ser- you know, deadly serious stuff going on here. And, uh, you know, and, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's good to have that. Uh, I guess another sort of good example is, uh, you know, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, which I've, you know, spoken about uh Especially with Gepwin uh, a bit recently, and uh, I'm not going to give any spoilers for the uh, the third volume there, but uh, you know there's uh, a lot of seriousness in that one, but the uh, the humor comes in at just the right time to keep it from being bleak. So yeah, you know, it is a a good sort of palate cleanser when you're like, wow, that was awful. So humor, use it use it intelligently, use it intent, uh, you know, with with intent. Yeah, don't just bring on a weird, unfunny comedian and say, I don't know, do something. Yeah, you just tell jokes. It'll be fine, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's 90% of modern comedy, but <laughs> I guess that's uh, why I hate movies now. Yeah, I, I guess there's, uh, you know, I guess basically from the, you know, when the American Pie, the first one came out, I'm like, maybe I don't like comedies. Huh. <laughs> i know it's sort of classic for a lot of folks but yeah i just couldn't get into it i'm just like this is just so annoying to me (sighs) oh well anyway that's all i had (laughs) Mm -hmm. now we have to try to be funny because it's time for the galaxy's favorite game show everybody welcome to the galaxy's favorite game show we got lots of contestants much more than usual today and they've all been trying to compete for uh you know what few points we got handing out actually we got a lot of points handing out or maybe neither this joke isn't working anyway our uh, first prize to hand out is the assignment death prize which goes to Riker, and not because you know he's going to die necessarily but uh you know, the death bit is, you know, is you might have to kill somebody if you work on a Klingon ship. So, you know, assignment death, I guess. What does he win, Gepwin? Riker wins the other option that Worf probably should have thought of, which is whatever that Romeo and Juliet poison is. So oh, yeah. Stab them and they go to sleep for a while. <laughs> they, they have a lot of ways to incapacitate people that you could have, you know, thought of and, and used. Yeah, you know, uh, Pulaski, you know, has her uh, off-button hyposprays, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, you got... You know, a, a, probably a, a baton of, like, you know, bap you upside the head. You know, it's like, oh, yes, I've given him a brain concussion that killed him instantly. And then he wakes up a few hours later. <laughs> There's probably lots of options here in the future. It is the future, after all. Hmm. Our uh, second prize is the Endless War Prize, which goes to the Klingons, as they are, seem to always be ready to get into a fight and die pointlessly, uh, 
as yeah, so just sort of a general mindset, it seems. Uh, you know, they're on a peaceful mission, as stated specifically in the episode, but, you know, the moment there is a chance to get into a fight, they're all about that. So what do they win, Gepwin? They win remote control AI ships and fun toys. Like, you could just play war games in space. You have the technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, don't, I don't. Why? Why? Why are you? You're, you're all just sitting there going like, oh, "We used to fight. We used to be warriors." <laughs> well, you could still fight. You just, you know, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be actual people you're killing here. So, you know, maybe pick up a hobby or something. Come on. Yeah, the Klingons are the reason that they wind up in a war at least once a generation in this thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, oh yeah, the Klingons are angry again. Great. <laughs> Our third and uh, final prize is the incompetent, incompetent Guest Star Prize, which goes to Menden for thinking he's all that, but actually being kind of bad at some very basic things in terms of, you know, being an officer. Like the chain of command and not being kind of an ass. When does he win, Gapwin? Menden wins the entire string of Geostructure Brothers to continue just being reoccurring characters. Like, he should have just been a main character, and it could have been just been a whole bit. Every time another Benzite shows up, it's like, hey, it's Minton, it's Monden, it's Morton. <laughs> Moxton, you know, Mentok, uh, <laughs> and so on and so forth, until they uh, run out of uh, various M names that are vaguely <laughs> alien-sounding. <laughs> But that's all we got here today. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the uh, Galaxy's Favorite Game Show. And, uh, you know, when, you, when you're going out there into deep space, you know, uh, make sure to have a little humor. Because, you know, not everyone appreciates the, the stereotype of the Starfleet officer who's strong-jawed and without joy in life and is only here to punch Klingons like Captain Picard. Wait, no. Captain Kirk. Also they Riker. thought he had a sense of humor. Yes. They Kirk, loved him. Kirk ha- did have a sense of humor. Um, yeah, maybe didn't get to show it off to Klingons as much, but, you know, I guess uh, Koloth saw some of it. Anyway. Yeah. Kirk's <laughs> sense of humor was going, ha, 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 my doctor's racist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, go ahead and take us away here uh, before we uh, get back into uh, nostalgia for the original series a little too much here. Ah, thanks, everyone, for being here and joining us on this, the galaxy's favorite game show. We are going from strength to strength because this was one of my favorite episodes. And the next Mm -hmm. one is also everyone's favorite episode forever. Yeah, the uh, the next episode is like one of those episodes that like people they're like, eh, the first series season is like, like, eh, guess I'll try the second, and then they get to this one, and it's like, oh yeah, this is actually like some real like cool stuff going on here in terms of like thinking about problems, moral dilemmas, ethics, you know. So yeah, this is like something to actually like really really uh, get into here, and so ah, which. Star Unfortunately, Trek it's going to be really apt. Way too apt. I don't I don't want to talk about how apt this episode is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah, there's a it's a, it's a data-centric episode, but uh you know, you know, various characters get involved and uh, we have a, a a kind of intense guest star and uh yeah, we're going to uh see someone disarmed. Yeah. <laughs> In a very literal sense. <laughs> so this episode is basically the episode where we have a trial to decide what constitutes as human rights. Yes. You know, it, it would be nice and to... who like, gets them. Yeah. <laughs> be nice to have uh, as many people as possible, you know, get them generally. You know, just just uh, yeah. maybe all of them, in fact. And, uh, you know, and um, make sure that we're counting everyone who is a person as a person as a, a long way. You know. Yeah. This is the episode that apparently... Everyone who wrote Star Trek Picard didn't watch. Yeah. <laughs> Other than to maybe skim some names through. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and uh, it's, it's a good episode, and uh, I look forward to talking about it. Yeah, next time we are going to have the absolute super classic. You probably covered this in at least one college-level class. The Measure of a Man. Next time on Watchers of Tomorrow... How big is data?
You have been listening to Watchers of Tomorrow, a podcast on science fiction media. Find and follow Watchers of Tomorrow on Podbean, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Spreader, Digital Podcast, and perhaps many more to come. If you enjoy our podcast, make sure to subscribe for more. And where possible, make sure to rate your experience or leave us a review. You may find Gepwin on youtube.com slash Gepwin and Twitter at Gepwin. You may find me, Dr. Isix, on youtube.com slash Dr. Isix and Twitter at IsixLP. Music is Waveform and Maury's Principle, both by DRKRN. You can also check out the Watchers of Tomorrow Discord channel. Make sure to share the experience with your friends, family, enemies, and alien overlords. If you feel you are suffering from transporter syndrome, please be aware that the next time you step off the transporter, that you, that is now, no longer exists. <laughs> <laughs>